All right, let's go. We are back with an episode of Real Talk Michigan Edition on a Wednesday night. Jeff here, joined by Dan. Dan, how are you, man? <clears throat> Doing good, buddy. Five and oh. Five and oh. You know, just uh, just as I'm sitting here on a normal Wednesday night at my house, and it's 8.30s rolling around, and I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm tired, and I got all this going on, but I'm like, Pfft. Shoot, dude, we're five and zero. Oh. I'm ready to talk some ball. <laughs> um, speaking of five and zero, oh, let's talk about how we got there. Michigan beats Wisconsin, thirty-eight seventeen. Uh, it's been beat to death, but it's the first time since two thousand one. Uh, it's been twenty years. I think that was uh, a statement win. In the second half, they outscore Wisconsin twenty-five to seven to pull away and, and really uh, come away with a pretty big win. I think the, the the biggest stat that I took away that I'll share here, 29 total dropbacks, okay? Wisconsin was sacked, pressured, or hit on all 29 dropbacks. Uh, Michigan brought the heat. They were for real. Let's get right into it. What did you think? Lots to talk uh, about here. Oh, I mean, overall, it was, uh, it was a pretty satisfying win. It was nice to... Um, get one in Camp Randall, obviously, and like you mentioned, man, it's been been a long time, and, you know, going in this game, uh, you know, even though Wisconsin's sitting at one and three, one and two before the game, I think this is a, a huge win for Jim Harbaugh in the program, and arguably probably one of, her, one of his better wins since he's been here, um, That a lot of that being on the road, so, yeah, I mean, a lot of things that Michigan needs to work on after watching this, but, um, Taking the taking the home crowd essentially out of the game uh, towards the end there. I mean, I can't hate it. Yeah, I thought uh, you know one thing. I feel like we have to talk about. You talk about taking the home crowd out of it. So at the end of the third quarter, Wisconsin they're very famous for the jump around. You know, they turn it on, the crowd gets hype, and usually that's something that quote unquote juices up a football team. And uh, Dax Hill, you know, he was quoted saying we wanted to take that juice. And it was like the team's idea to to participate. And it it was almost awkward because like Michigan, I was watching this and Michigan fans are getting into it. And the Michigan football team is is really getting into it. And obviously Wisconsin, they're losing at the time and they're still getting into it. Gus Johnson's commenting how like how electrifying it is, but how weird that you know, oh wait, Michigan's football team's doing it, and it was like, dude, this is a statement. Mm-hmm. The game was the, the game was not over. Mm-hmm. It, they were sending a message, like we, we're not taking you seriously at this point. We're gonna beat you. Um, I thought it was huge. I, I thought the, you know, I, I posted this the other day, and I mean this. That might be a top five Michigan moment, dude. Just like, and. We often talk about the John Beeline rise and how Michigan basketball went from like mediocre to nothing. And like, where exactly did it turn? Where exactly did it start to trend back up and get to this point? And John Beeline famously says it was 100% a three pointer um, in East Lansing when they weren't ranked, but Michigan State was. And I forget who hits it. Senior pointer, Zach Novak. Zach Novak hit the the three-pointer. And he goes, it completely changed the mojo of our basketball team moving forward. Did we win and go far in the tournament that year? No. But it was Mm -hmm. the expectation from that point on that 
we're not an underdog in any capacity. We're going to go in every game as a as a championship mentality, and that has has it turned into banners? A couple Final Fours and Big Tens, no none mm. of the national championship. But Michigan needs that, and. I'm seeing a lot of things, man, where a lot of players are doing certain things, and I'm sure we'll we'll get to those in a minute. I'll let you talk. But I thought it was literally, as Dak said, it was the juice that this team needs, not just Saturday, but next Saturday, the following Saturday, the following Saturday, and the following Saturday, all the way until we could potentially, maybe, possibly get to Indianapolis. I'll let you go. Uh, real quick, though, talking about Zach Novak. I tell you what, man. I know we've had some success since he's been since he's uh, come and gone. But man, I would, would have loved to have him on some of those later beeline teams. That dude was such a glue guy. Yeah. But, um, Zach Novak yeah. was, I believe, at least a three-year captain. He might have even been a four. He was that respected in the locker room. Yeah, and I remember, uh, you know, Michigan played Tennessee in the first round, and Michigan, I think, was the underdog that game, and they took care of uh, uh, Tobias Harris. Um, and the Vols that game. And, uh, you know, Michigan obviously was very undersized. But, but anyways, um, but, yeah, this Wisconsin game, man, it definitely definitely felt great. And seeing them jump around uh, in the beginning of the fourth quarter, you can definitely tell that um, it wasn't really a home field advantage at that point. Um, you know, some of the, some of the things that, uh, you know, Michigan has to work on still is – stuff that we've seen since week one, but, uh, I mean, overall, uh, you know, I, I thought that, you know, a big key, just like the, the Washington game was to force Graham Mertz and make turnovers. He was had six interceptions going into the game. Uh, however, Graham Mertz did get knocked out, uh, due to injury from the hit that he took, um, a clean hit from, uh, Daxon Hill. And then when Chase Wolf got in there, it was, uh, you know, the cookie started crumbling there. He threw a pick to Daxon Hill. Um, so it was all downhill, uh, downhill from there. Graham Mertz put together two drives, I believe, in the um, it was in the second quarter. He had a slow first quarter. Second quarter, he started putting two drives together. They scored a touchdown. And uh, he had some life in him. But, um, you know, all game long, Michigan's D-line created havoc. Uh, they had... Um, six sacks, seven tackles for a loss. Um, and they held, um, uh, Wisconsin to a yard, uh, 1.3 yards per carry, which granted this might not be the most robust Wisconsin team that we've seen in years uh, past, but, uh, that's the pedigree that, uh, Wisconsin's built on no matter who the coach is, no matter what players they got, they're always running up the gut and we held them to 1.3. Um, and that is of course with sacks included. So the, that's a little, uh, skewed, but I mean, it's still probably under two and a half yards per carry regardless. And so uh, I, I can't be mad, man. I'm pretty, pretty stoked that the defense, um, you know, did their thing. Yeah. I, I, uh, I watched the whole game and I, Truthfully, I went into the game, and I, I made this prediction, and, and so did you. I, I thought we would win. I thought we were a better football team. But it was like, okay, what which Michigan team is going to show up? The team that we've seen this this far this year and that we think can that has the capability of beating Wisconsin or the team that shows up in years past where they don't know how to play football on the road. And it was definitely not that. And, gosh, I'm just I'm seeing so many things out of this team that are just giving me 
I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and predict that we're national champions or that we're even going to beat Ohio state. Cause I'm not there yet, but um, they're giving me a lot of hope. I think that's the biggest word. You know, I, um, Harbaugh actually shared something this week and I, th- I thought was super cool. So as soon as uh, the boss or the plane, what, how they had basically just arrived back in Ann Arbor after beating Wisconsin and JJ Donovan Edwards and Baldwin, the three of them, Went to go practice together afterwards. They just needed more reps. Like mm-hmm. I just think that's I think that's huge. Like all three of those players realize they'll get playing time, but it's going to be sparingly, mm-hmm. and they they need to take advantage of when they do, and 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 just working their ass off and just trying to get better. And it's just like gosh, it gives us so much hope for the future. Truthfully, because this team is it's way better than we thought it was going to be. Would you agree at this point? Oh, absolutely. And you know, a big thing too is. These players are, they know that you can't get too high on yourselves. You got to take care of business one week yeah. and then move on. You know, Aiden Hutchinson said after the game, you know, we're not done yet. And that's what, that's what you want to hear because yeah. we had in the preview pod that we've learned that somehow this team got ahead of itself when they beat Minnesota last year. And that, that played into a factor of them crumbling. And um, so while we, again, while we heard that, you know, we were a little disappointed in like how hardball can you let your guys get a high offer, uh, a week one win, you know? So it obviously it seems like the culture here now is like, all right, we got to, I mean, forget about it, man. We got to move on because obviously the, the bar has been set by Ohio state. We want to get there. And, you know, another thing too, that I liked as a, as a team is uh, they're, pr- I mean, they showed it in, in spurts. They were really aggressive uh, in play calls here and there. The one I liked was the flea flicker that turned into the, uh, the long pass to Cornelius Johnson. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm not sure what, what I know gets a little bit, I'm not sure what they were uh, doing with the JJ McCarthy rotation and in a couple points in the game to bring them in just to hand them off. They might've saw something and then audible, but, uh, but yeah. So, uh, going back to you. Yeah. I want to touch on that JJ, but not yet. Not yet. I do want to touch on that though. Right. Um, right. Right. But, uh, yeah, I just uh, a lot a lot of things really stood out. Obviously, the pressure that was drawn up the entire game, um, the flea flicker, I have that written down in my notes. Huge play, um, the change of pace with the with the quarterback play there, um, and go ahead and say it, but lack of run game and pretty successful passing game. And I uh, here, here's the thing when I'm when I'm watching. When I'm watching a football game, whether it be uh, Michigan or the Patriots, you know, and if I'm invested in the game, meaning my team is playing, I don't want to get in too many arguments on like Twitter or Facebook with somebody that's critiquing said team. Now, if I'm watching some two random teams and we want to talk, whatever, but like I might post back, but I'm not going to argue about something. But the one thing that, you know, both of us had had to kind of defend over the weekend was Michigan's game against Wisconsin and that Cade played bad. And I, I will defend his play. I watched the entire game. Multiple drops. Multiple drops. Um, there were times where he was getting hit. There was times where he had to avoid the rush. He made a play. Um, the first time they took, they put JJ in there. And you just alluded to this play where he had kind of, he had came in and all he did was hand the ball off. Mm-hmm. The very next play was third, third down. It might have been third or fourth down. Okay, and Cade comes in there, quote unquote, cold. You know, you just came out of rhythm. 
in the immediately there's a free rusher and Cade jukes him out, gets out of the pocket, looks, 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 and scrambles and comes up a yard short of the first down. I'm sorry, but that's that's a good play. That is a mm-hmm. good play. And you, you have to take that into consideration. Like there's more to the, to playing quarterback than just sitting back there and just diamond people up. I mean, what do you expect at this point? Not everybody's Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or mm-hmm. um you know, in the current game, maybe Bryce Young. It's just not everybody has that. So you have to really like take what you can get. And I'm not saying settle, but appreciate when there's good quarterback play. And I don't want to get too deep into this either because I it's part of my question for you later. So um, I thought Cade played really well. Yeah, absolutely. And he's he's I mean, there's times where he's a little off, you know, but I mean, what quarterback is and, and he yeah. hasn't done anything really to lose his job. Um, and you know, JJ McCarthy, when he comes in there, he's making the most of it. And so that's good news, man. So like yeah, if Cade yeah, ever, ever leaves to go, whatever. I mean, at least, you know, you have somebody in the wings that you see right now, but I don't think, you know, Harbaugh should rush this. And I know Michigan fans are like, you know, when McCarthy goes in there and he throws the 56 yarder, they're like, see, 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 it's like, okay, I understand that. That's great. Okay. But again, Cade is hasn't turned the ball over yet, man. Like give the dude some props. I mean, he doesn't have uh, necessarily the stronger arm or a stronger arm than uh, JJ. But again, dudes, dudes being, uh, he's doing what he's been asked. Yeah. Um, Let's get into like, dislike and uh, see more. And then we will go into questions here. Um, Like, in my opinion, it it was glaring this weekend. Uh, David Ajabo was an absolute beast. And typically, we're talking about Aiden Hutchinson off the edge. Ajabo was unblockable. He had two and a half sacks. It felt like he had ten. Mm-hmm. Um, I He literally jumped off my screen this weekend. I'm like, I mean, obviously, I've, I've seen him. He had a sack against Washington, but I'm like, this dude is, geez Louise. I don't know about you, but I thought it was just monumental performance out of him. I thought he was humongous this weekend. Would you like? Uh, that was that was mine. I was gonna say front <laughs> seven. I was gonna say front seven and Ojabo, but I'll I'll uh, I'll pick someone else and I'll go with Daxon Hill. Uh, Daxon Hill yeah. came up with some big plays. Obviously, he yes. had the interception, not Graham Mertz out of the game. Obviously, you don't want to see Mertz get hurt, but you want to see the aggressiveness from your safety. And um, uh, you know, so he would uh he had, you know, half a sack. Had tackle and he had a pass defense. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna have to go with Daxon Hill, man. And but that front seven, they did work. Yeah, I don't have anything legitimate for dislike, but I will say this: without without getting too deep into it, I don't like bringing in JJ McCarthy just to hand the ball off. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a bad play call. Um, I did, and a lot of people were upset with this, but. Um, I loved that they went for it on fourth down twice to start the game. The play call on the second one, very predictable. And we've seen that at Michigan sometimes, the predictable play calling. Those two things were the only things that I was like, ugh. Other than that, I mean, 38-17 on a game where you haven't I was very happy this weekend. There was a lot to like. But mm-hmm. if I was being nitpicky, it was the fourth down call on the second fourth down on the first drive of the game. 
And then I just didn't understand bringing in JJ just to hand the ball off in the middle of a drive. It's not like it's like the first play of the drive where you're like, okay, let's just throw a different look at. No, we're driving down the field, and all of a sudden you pulled. It just it was weird to me. It felt it felt off. Mm-hmm. What about you? Yeah, same. Yeah, it was definitely the JJ thing. Um, you know, again, like I alluded to earlier, like maybe they saw something and they audible, but uh, yeah. You know, you. I don't feel. I don't. I mean, Jim Harbaugh does some weird stuff sometimes, but it's like I don't think it would make any sense at all just to bring him in there to hand the ball off. Like there was nothing to gain from it. So, um, and I think they were four and five, four, uh, four for five on fourth downs. So, um, other than the one, um, I mean, that's. I we're we're yeah. so far we're two for two together on on these. So hopefully our third one's a little different. But I I have a feeling it's gonna be the same also. It'll be interesting. So more of, you know, a minute ago I gave you a stat, 29 total dropbacks. They were sacked, pressured, or hit on all 29. This was the biggest stat of the weekend, and I'm so happy that this monkey is off his back. Jim Harbaugh picked up his first road win as an underdog this weekend, and I was on cloud nine for him because he truly deserves it. He's better than that freaking stat that hangs over his head. And I want to see more of those. And I want to see one. I don't. I, we're not. We're not uh, an underdog this weekend. But it's a road environment and at a night game against a good opponent. Um, so we're gonna need to see more of these. And obviously, there's gonna come times in the next couple of weeks. You got Michigan State coming up. You got Penn State coming up. You got Ohio State coming up. There's opportunities to get another one. We're gonna need to see more. What do you got? All right. So for more of me, we kind of are all touched on them. I have a kind of a three-parter. One was the aggressiveness. Yes. Um, the, the flea flicker, the going for it. Yeah. Uh, at least going for it, converting. Uh, I, obviously, we, we both dug the jump around and uh, more blue pants. More oh blue my. pants. How did that slip by me, the freaking blue <laughs> pants? You know, I jokingly posted on both Twitter and Facebook before the game, and I said if, if Michigan, because it was rumored they were going to wear blue pants. I'm like, yeah. if Michigan wears blue pants, they wouldn't buy 100. Let's be honest here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I dug the blue pants. It looked, it's, obviously, you know, growing up, both of us, we the yellow, the maize pants, right? Mm-hmm. With the white jersey. And then the hardball area has pretty much always been white on white. Mm-hmm. And I seen some pictures surfaced in a lot of recruiting photos where I'm like the white on blue and it looked so good in change of pace style. And we've talked about this. We don't want to be Oregon. We don't want 10 combinations, but we get some. Mm-hmm. I thought right, the blue pants, freaking underrated. Great. Need to see mm-hmm. more of that shit. For Absolutely. Sure. All right. Mailbag question. This, and honestly, I'm going to read you this mailbag question and we're just going to go right into my questions because there's a lot here. Okay. okay? Comes in from Jamie Lado, buddy of ours. Obviously writes in almost every episode at this point now. So uh, thanks for listening again, Jamie. I know you are. Uh, if Cade finishes the season as the starting quarterback, does he return for his senior season or does he transfer? He also says, assuming he beats Ohio State. So at this point, we're talking about a, a senior quarterback who has a notch over Ohio State in his belt. Does he return for his senior season, or does he transfer because of obviously JJ is looming looming in the in the darkness? What do you think? I think it's a question. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pose it to you, and I'll just chime in. I I when I got this question, I'm like, wow, I didn't even think of that yet. But that's a great Um, question because at this point, I don't want to I don't want jinx anything. Cade has played flawless, and there's already people that want his job gone. So what do you think? I don't. 
I think whether a, a, a W or an L to Ohio State, I don't think it changes anything. I think he comes back for his, for his final year. I don't see Cade McNamara transferring. Um, and as of right now, I don't see him losing his job. Uh, reason why I believe that he's pretty secure right now and coming back for the, the next year and finishing off the season as Michigan starter, unless something catastrophic happens, uh, like super catastrophic, because we've seen the leash that Harbaugh gives us quarterbacks and he's pretty generally uh, loyal, whether it's Wilton Spate. I mean, Wilton Spate was only swapped out with John O'Corn because he got hurt against Purdue. And, yeah, you know, Shea Patterson, love, hate him, whatever side of the fence you're on with Shea Patterson, Jim Harbaugh never gave up on the dude. Um, And I don't know where the sense of loyalty was necessarily. I feel like he could have gone. I think at that point we've seen the peak of Shea and he could have moved somewhere else, uh, moved on from him. But um, I just think that barring injury or barring, like six interceptions in one game. I don't think that K McNamara is going to go in the two hole. Yeah. As far as your question, Jamie, in, in my opinion, this is such a what if question. Because if he, if he finishes the season as the starting quarterback and assuming he beats Ohio state, are you just assuming we have a really good year and go to, and go to Indianapolis? Because if he does, he has a really good year. Then he's 100% the starting quarterback next year. I don't give a shit. I don't care how good JJ is. If if Cade plays as good as he's playing right now and gets us to Indianapolis, he deserves a starting job next year. Period. Point blank. End of story. Um, but if he starts to throw a bunch of interceptions and winning, we're winning despite of him and not because of him, that changes the conversation. You know, if this team has a strong run game but Cade cannot complete a pass to save his life, and you know dips below the sixty percent range, then yeah, I think that's a conversation that probably needs to be had. But as of right now. I really like where he's at, and I'm just going to go right into this. Um, are you okay with J.J.'s increased involvement so far this year? Obviously, we, we're okay with fourth quarter stuff if we're up big, but what do you think about this the random inserts of J.J. when it doesn't seem to be needed? Like the goal line push. I'm sorry, but it's fourth down, and you, you're pushing the smallest guy on the roster, probably J.J. McCarthy at this point getting pushed over the goal line. I thought that was really weird. It worked. It scored a touchdown. I was happy, but it's like, what? It just, it seemed off. What is your, what is your, what is your take on this? Are you okay with his increased involvement? Um, no, I mean, I, I, I don't really care to see it, honestly. I mean, if it works, so be it. But I, I mean, obviously, uh, he's, showing something in practice where he's, he's proven himself that he needs to see them, the field and certain wrinkles. Um, it just, it just doesn't cut it for me. I mean, I, I really hope that they're not trying to emulate uh, Chris Lee, Tim Tebow, Florida Gator style thing or whatever. Um, Cause I don't think that's JJ's uh, style, his game, but um, I don't know. I'm, I'm more of a traditionalist, man. You know, we, we've, we've, we beat a dead horse. We kind of like that bell cow back with a complimentary two hole. And we kind of like just seeing the one quarterback under center. And that's just kind of how I am. Um, I could, I could live without JJ McCarthy at all being in the game, unless it's mop up duty. Uh, but that's just me. No, I'm with you. I think it does two things. A, it puts pressure on Cade, but if Cade's playing well, I think it puts negative pressure on him. You know what I mean? If if your quarterback doesn't have a pick on the year and he, he isn't making stupid decisions, 
and he's playing well and he's winning games. If you have somebody that you're constantly bringing in, he clearly thinks he's not doing something enough. He might force passes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Second thing it does is it just freaking uproars this fan base who has already spoiled little rotten babies about wanting the backup quarterback out of nowhere every single five seconds. Like, oh my gosh, he didn't complete the pass. Uh, let's get JJ in there. It's just like, I, I mean, no joke. I, I've been seeing people calling for Alex Bowman too, and he's the one that ter- lost a turnover for us this weekend. So, and I, not against Bowman, but right. it's just like, give Kate a chance. Imagine, imagine if we had social media now. Like if, if Drew Henson and Tom Brady were doing oh, this in the in social media, oh, and, boy. and you know that's the thing too that I never, I did I did, I couldn't get over with Lloyd Carr was you know that he just couldn't settle on a on a quarterback and you know that's a whole other a whole other story in its own but uh, you know Tom Brady, you know never really was a full fledged starter neither was Drew Henson and you know Drew Henson had other aspirations other than football it was just a wild wild blast behind center there and. I just don't want it to get to that level. I don't think it will, but that's something that you want to get away from because, you know, Michigan, you know, you know, granted, obviously Tom Brady in Michigan is known for the Alabama orange bowl, but in between that, there was some games where he did bring Michigan back to win. And there's other games where they didn't win at all that they should have. So I just, I don't want it to get, yeah, I just, you miss me with that, man. I, and you know, too, real quick, is another one that really screwed up for us too was you know Tate Forcier and Denard Robinson, um, and back then you know yeah. Tate Forcier, um, he got beat up in the Big Ten play, and so health was part of the issues too. But right when he got a right when he put a good drive together, Rich Rod then sends out Denard Robinson, and then the whole philosophy and offense changes to we're in a run option after we just been doing RPO stuff. And um, I, it's just, I think just it creates a big problem for teams. And that's just not my, you know, what I want to see. I, no, I agree with you. Um, last question. It kind of all ties in. Um, I'm going to go over a couple things here. So Cade McLemore last year in 2020, he was 43 of 71. So that's 60% completion. Mm-hmm. 425 yards, 425 yards. Five touchdowns, zero interceptions. Okay? I'm going to read you his 2021, and don't think I'm reading you his 2020, because they're eerily similar. 50 of 80 for 61%. 731 yards, so a big jump in yardage. Five touchdowns, zero picks. He also has not been sacked a single time this year. I don't know if you knew that. Cade McNamara has not taken a single sack this year. And he has one rushing touchdown. Gets to me my question. Why does everybody hate this dude? What do they need to see in order for him to be locked in as, as the sole guy so everybody supports him? Is it simply because JJ's his backup? Why does everybody hate him? Like, what the hell? What does this dude need to do? Does he need to be in the 70% completion percentage? Is that what it is? He's not completing enough balls? I think that has to do with... I think it's uh, uh, A and B. I think, one, it's because... When it seems like when Cade misses on a throw, he misses on the ensuing plays as well. But then he, um, it seems like he'll then he'll get he'll get when it's needed. You know what I'm saying? It's like he just misses yeah. at back to back throws. Okay. Yeah. And then when we throw in McCarthy, it's like oh touchdown. It's like okay, granted, I give him. I, I think it's just the, that marriage between the two, and 
again, Michigan fans, you, 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 the, the clamoring for this two-hole, man, we've said it before on this pod many times, be careful what you wish for because J.J. McCarthy, there's no guarantee when he comes before the full-time starter that it's all sunshines and rainbows, you know. Um, so I just think that's the reason why. It's this completion, completion percentage isn't the hottest. And, uh, you know, McCarthy obviously just, I mean, he's, he's, he's made the most of it. Uh, but to me, again, what we alluded to earlier, McNamara just hasn't done anything to lose it yet. And again, yeah. zero turnovers in two seasons. Yeah, but let me, I guess let me ask you this, but for now, we'll wrap it up here. So in two seasons, he's 60% from the field. Let's be, I mean, 60 and 61. So 60 and a half percent, right? Um, basically 125, 150 yards passing per game. And one touchdown. Is it just not enough? Is this what he is? Uh, he can only do what his coaches want him to do. And if they're going to run the ball for 300 plus yards a game, 50 times a game, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Of course, of course, his passing yardage, his numbers are going to go out the window. But look back at Michigan football as history and realize that not every Michigan quarterback has had gaudy numbers. It took till 2015 Jake Rudock to pass Chad Henney. And before Chad Henney, it was uh, Navarre. And before Navarre, it was like like Rick Leach or some shit. Like, it, I mean, call what you will. Michigan has always been uh, pretty balanced, but more leaning on the run a little bit more. They don't ask the yeah. quarterbacks to do a lot. And so, I mean, I think – who I mean, who's got, who's got the passing touchdowns in in Michigan history? Is it like it's it's Chad Henney? It's Chad Henney. It's like twenty eight or something, isn't it? Oh no, it's more than that. It's, it like more than that? it's like seventy. Yeah, because he, he passed like no, twenty two no, 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 no. in a season. In a season. Oh, oh, maybe twenty eight, maybe. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so, like that's that's about what you expect. I mean, so uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, whatever. Yeah, that's it. I just I had a lot because obviously uh, Jamie had wrote in about Cade and uh, I know, you know, after watching this weekend and seeing JJ's increased involvement. And then I just did some deep diving on Cade because I, I truly like him. I like what he what he is. I'm sorry, but if you don't turn the ball over, there's a really good chance you're going to win games, period. Mm-hmm. Just there's no argument to that. If you do not turn the ball over. Your, your chances of winning a football game, both NFL and college, go through the roof. I mean, it's just – it's a fact. So, yeah, I like him. What do you got for me, though? You got questions? Yeah, so um, kind of just in a – just as a, in a conference as a whole, as a whole, do uh, you think the Big Ten can have more than one playoff team in 2021? Well, we got to start looking outside the Big Ten. So the SEC, I think, is probably going to get Bama and Georgia, if I had to guess. Okay. Uh, Oregon just took their loss. That might have eliminated the pack. Okay. The ACC does not look like they're going to have a contender this year. Notre Dame, as an independent, just lost to Cincinnati. But Cincinnati has an argument. And I'm sorry, I would go to freaking war for them right now. I mm-hmm. think they have an argument. <sighs> Who's that leave us? The Big 12. Oklahoma. So there's four, okay? Winner of Penn State, Iowa has an argument, okay? And then at that point, 
Gosh, see the Big Ten is so weird because you have Ohio State. I'm sorry, I'm not running them off, even though they lost Oregon. You have Ohio State, you have Michigan, you have Iowa, you have Penn State. I think those are the four, right? Oh, and Michigan. And, to be fair, to and them. Ohio State. Ohio State doesn't play Iowa unless they meet in the Indianapolis game. So. Which they would have to. They'd yeah. Yeah. Wow. No. I'm going to say no, only because of what I just told you. I think the SEC is getting two. Even though Bama and Georgia are going to play in the SEC title game, they will both get in, period. They just will because they're going to obliterate everybody they play. Mm. Um, Georgia right now looks like a freaking juggernaut. Mm. Um, and I, like I said, I will, go to, I will drive wherever I need to drive and knock on some doors to get Cincinnati <laughs> in the playoffs. They deserve it, dude. They um, I'm happy for Cincinnati fans and, and that team right now. They're they're playing great ball. But uh, well, uh, one more question for you. Then now that you brought up Cincinnati, um, uh, Luke Fickle's there. Yeah. How long do you think he's there for? Do you think he goes to another job? Who was I just talking to this about? I was just talking to this. It might have been my father-in-law. The weird thing is, is I guess he's an Ohio kid. Yeah. He wanted to be, obviously, the Ohio State Buckeyes coach. Um, he was for a season, lost to Michigan, and they fired him. Uh, the Cincinnati program has rallied around him. They've built him a juggernaut. From what I have just been, you know, from what I've talked to people, it sounds like he's not interested in a Miami, a USC. He's interested in basically Ohio State. That ain't going to happen. Right. I think he, I think he would entertain Notre Dame. Just let's be serious here. And I think after that, it's probably the Bengals. He sounds like he's literally just a South Ohio kid that just that's what he wants to do. Right. Um, interesting question though, because in my opinion, after they lose this quarterback Rid- Riddler or whatever his name is, boy, 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 they might take a step down. You never know. It, it, literally. Teams can change like that. Look at Clemson. Yep. Perfect example. Clemson, Dabo Sweeney looked like a god for five years, six years, whatever it is, since 2014. And now all of a sudden, everybody's railroading them thinking that Clemson's a joke. And they, to be honest, they look like that. So, mm-hmm. man, it can change overnight. Um, I don't know. I think, I think Fickle stays at Cincinnati, though, right now. Unless they go, they go undefeated and don't get in the college football playoffs. Then I think he leaves. Because at that point, what do, you, what, do you, what do you have? You know what I mean? Right. Because you beat Notre Dame, you beat Indiana. I don't know who else they got to play, but they've beat two. I mean, come on. Those are two Power 5 teams. They'll play the rest of their schedule, which I think has other Power 5 teams on it. To leave them out undefeated would be silly. So. Uh, all right. I left some time here. Urban Meyer. Talking about USC and everything else. Um, Brad and I talked about this on the pod yesterday. I think it's fitting that we talk about it on this pod too, because of his involvement in college football. And this is what this podcast is. So Urban Meyer, let's go. Let me just, let me just do the, the quick rundown here. Thursday night football. He's coaching the Jacksonville Jaguars. They lose to the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati. Tells the team, Hey, I'm not going to fly back with you guys. I'm going to go back home. Obviously, Columbus area. He has a house there still and all that. I'm going to go back home. You guys go back. So they go back, whatever. 
he ends up at this bar that apparently he owns. Okay. Young girls dancing all over him, grinding on him, doing some things that, let's be honest, if you've seen your head football coach of any program, in this scenario, you'd be like, what the F? Like, it just doesn't seem right. And it's so awkward and so weird that when you sent me the meme that you had created off this picture, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think it was actually Urban Meyer. I thought it was a joke. I thought yeah. it was a guy that looked like Urban. Until the story actually escalated, I'm like, wait a minute. That's literally the picture that Yao sent with the meme on it. And it's like, holy, like, is this serious? Is this dude for real? So now that it's all kind of come out, it's, it's really weird. And, yeah. I, you know, I read the statement yesterday on the, on the podcast that we did, and I won't read it again. But basically, Jacksonville's disappointed in this dude. And he canceled the Monday meetings at his work. Um, with his team, typically Mondays, that's, that's the first day of the, of the week. It's typically a film day. Um, sometimes it's a victory Monday, but when you have a long week and you're back in, <sighs> boy, oh boy, dude. And then apparently he started, uh, talking to position groups separately yeah. and some of them are laughing at him and anonymous sources are, are telling Colin Cowherd that he, He's basically lost the locker room. Uh, I'll let you go in on this. Essentially, the question I want to get to is this dude and is, is this dude going to USC at the end of the year? I if this dude if Urban Meyer is not out of here by the end of the year, it's going to be uh, a, a phenomenal, phenomenal feat on his end to make it to year two. Uh, this dude, like I like, I posted on my personal Facebook, man, and I'll kind of summarize what I said. I mean, no, Jim do, Harbaugh, you have, do you have it in front of you? Yeah, go ahead and uh, read it because I thought you nailed it. And this is not just a oh my gosh, we have Jim Harbaugh as our coach, but I want you to be serious and read this for a minute because it's it's okay. true. And let me let me start off by saying this: if you guys are new booties who listen to this, listen to my takes for the first time, I said many times publicly that Urban Meyer, in my opinion, could be one of the greatest coaches of all time if he would have made Jacksonville work. But here we go. So this is what I posted about a little bit earlier this morning. So while I think Jim Harbaugh is fascinating in the sense of what he brings to the table and his resume, I also feel Urban Meyer is as well. Urban Meyer does a lot of phenomenal recruiting on baggage players. With winning everywhere he goes, besides Jacksonville, controversy follows. It's no secret. With this past weekend at the bar, he obviously has shown he's a hypocrite. Now, everyone is entitled to the mistakes, but he's been in the news before for shady crap. Hence, his assistant coach at Ohio State who beat his wife. Tom Herman. Um, you know, he, he went out. Not Tom Herman. It was the other dude. Oh, Tom Herman had the sexual stuff. Sorry. Yeah. So, like, I mean, he went out to bat for his assistant coach. Uh, but former Gators came out a few years ago with oddball stories on him. That's another story in itself. You can find that on YouTube. Uh, now, when we talk about integrity and leadership, do you think of Michigan and Jim Harbaugh? Or do you think about Urban Meyer? I mean, Urban Meyer has written a book on leadership. He's had hands-on classes uh, in Ohio State regarding positive virtues and all that stuff related to the book. Um, he won't be in the NFL much longer, in my opinion. And despite USC needing a head coach, are they willing to take on such a polarizing figure like Urban, knowing he doesn't stay for long? Truthfully, yes, they would take him on. I think they'd take him on in a heartbeat. Why wouldn't they? 
I mean, I don't want to get political, but they're a liberal college. I mean, they're out there in California. I think they see things as more of like a, hey, Urban was at a bar. He didn't drunk drive. He had some chick grinding up on him. I don't think they're going to think that's the end of the world. You know what I mean? Um, and truthfully, there's something that typically happens in households that people are cheating on their wives or whatever they're doing. They, they typically move. They t- distance themselves from said activities. And, and it makes me wonder. Do they, they're in Florida. This happened in Ohio, but maybe they moved cross country. You know what I mean? I don't know. I just think right. that like this whole thing is super weird. It's just like, cause I'm sure there's more. You think this girl that only danced on him? You think that's the only thing that happened? I doubt it. Right. And you know, uh, again, I feel like this dude, uh, you know, he's won everywhere he, he's been. And obviously, you know, I've, I said, like I said, man, like if he just would have made this work, I mean, it sounds like he are, again, he's lost a locker room. It sounded, uh, from our friend Dave, uh, on our fantasy football league, who is a, actually a Jaguars fan, believe it or not. You know, he was saying that he was hearing in the preseason that he wasn't having a lot of the team buying into his college style schemes and his philosophies. Yeah. Um, I thought, uh, that was it, uh, Shad Khan or whatever the owner. Yeah. Okay. I thought hiring Urban Meyer was a bad hire. Um, truth be told, again, he wins. He's a spark plug. So if USC were to to bring him in, whatever you know, hypothetically, I think whether he stays long term or not, it'll give that spark. And maybe the next guy comes in afterward and picks up right where uh, right where he left off, i.e. Oklahoma. But with Jacksonville being in the NFL, they need a long term overhaul. They have they were close to being the Patriots in the AFC championship game, right? It was the AFC championship. Or dude, that was bad. No, you're right. But the, dude, that was like 2017. That's like five years ago. Right. So what I'm, my point is, is they were that close and then they've had to dismantle. Oh and, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so now, like I said, they're in the overhaul. They need a long-term coach. And I thought Urban Meyer was a horrible, be- just because of his track record, five years, I'm out, you know, Tim Tebow, uh, I've got a lot of adversity going on. I can't, you know, I'm out. So I just thought this was a ridiculous hire on the Jaguars part. But, yeah, this is a very weird situation. And I was listening to uh, a clip with Chuck Pagano. He was on the uh, – he was on Matt, uh, Pat McAfee's show today. And, you know, he was saying that in 37 years of coaching, he's never heard of a coach not traveling with the team back to their, their home base. And, you know, all he had to say – you know, Chuck Pagano was you know, Chuck Pagano was saying it's like all Urban Meyer had to say, even though it had been out of the norm, was like, "Hey, you know, I need to clear my head. I need to go see some some family because that's where Urban Meyer said his initial thing was to go visit his grandkids and meet his yeah. and see his family. They were in town. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's only week four, and this dude is Owen four. He's rumored to have told another coach that every game is Alabama in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, what were you, what were you gonna expect? I, mean, I think he already lost like two assistants before the season even started. Um, One of them had a track record, as you alluded to, um, so, that he yeah. was trying to bring on. Yeah. So, oh, man, yeah. it is it is a dumpster fire down there, and it sucks because Trevor Lawrence, I think, has got a lot of potential uh, in the NFL, um, but. I don't know. They're going to have to. I, I really feel like that Urban Meyer is going to be without a job in the NFL here in uh, in the winter. I forget who it was. I'm not, I'm not even going to try to remember for what it's worth. But uh, somebody had said this 
hire does not make sense. Not because Urban Meyer can't coach the Jacksonville Jaguars. Urban Meyer can't handle a loss in college where he has one, maybe two per year. What's he going to do when he loses 10 games? Because he's 100% going to. That was the first thing that somebody said. They're like, this dude doesn't know how to lose. He's never lost in his life. He won at Bowling Green University. This dude, everywhere he goes, he wins. He does not know how to lose. So, is this how he loses? He goes to Columbus, where he's supposed to be with family, but not with family. He's dancing with chicks at a bar. I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird situation. But to to answer my own question, I think he could still go to USC, and I think he won't be a Jacksonville Jaguar. I think he'll be somewhere else. Right. And now, and real quick, because we still have to get to Nebraska. Yeah. Um, One last thing, too. It makes you wonder of the coaching umbrella in a whole because when you look at coaches who can do both pro and college and the other ones that can do only one or the other and not very many people can do both and no matter what the haters talk about Jim Harbaugh no matter what I hate on Jim Harbaugh for despite not despite being runner-up in the Super Bowl and despite coming up short in uh, Stanford and Michigan so far with the playoff and bowl games and national titles all that stuff he's shown that he can win in both levels nick saban can't win in the nfl but he can win in college it's not as easy as it sounds so again i mean and for all it, you it, listeners here that think we're just defending harbaugh harbaugh took a three and 13 team to the super bowl absolutely absolutely and he did. with a and with a quarterback no one else really wanted which was Colin yeah. kaepernick and he, and he Alex Smith. Smith. Yeah, Alex Smith was considered a bust before Jim Harbaugh took him over. Yep. He was almost out of the league. The fact that he was still in the league was shocking, I think, actually. And he yep. took that team over, and he had grown men crying on the sideline, Vernon Davis, because they had never experienced coaching, like legit good coaching before. It, it, it's crazy. It makes, you, it makes you think, man. It's, it's wild. But anyways... Let's get to Nebraska. Um, how'd they get here? They're 3-3 three and three on the year, okay? Uh, first week, they lost to Illinois. I believe that was in week zero, correct? Yes, sir. Okay, week zero, they lose to Illinois. Week backup one, quarterback, by the way. Illinois had a backup quarterback? Yeah, Brandon Peters got knocked out of that game. Oh, right that's right. And like the fourth or fifth play of the game, right? Yeah, yeah it was right. early. Um. Week two, they beat Fordham. Week three, they beat Buffalo. Week four, they lose. Actually, it's week three, I guess. Week three, they lose to number number three, Oklahoma, who is now number three at the time. I, think, I don't remember what they were. Uh, week four, they lost on the road to Michigan State, who's now number 21. And then this past week, they beat Northwestern pretty comfortably. Um. Yeah. What do you think? They're going to they're going to host Michigan 7:30 ABC. As of right now, Michigan's three and a half point favorites. Uh I'm not taking this game lightly because even though we just we're coming off a a road game against Wisconsin, we do not do well on the road and we do not do well on the road at night. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, again, despite Wisconsin being one and two before, uh, when we faced them and Nebraska now being a three and three when we're about to face them, uh, I think the intensity is going to be the same. Uh, Michigan needs to bring it. Uh, Nebraska, um, they're fighting for their lives. Scott Frost is fighting for his job right now, in my opinion. Um, you know, he's an alum, so he's he's had a little bit of a leash, but uh, it's starting to shorten very much so. And uh, again, you can't take these guys lightly. They, despite losing to Oklahoma on the road, they made that a game at the very end. And uh, what Michigan has in their favor, just like they had uh, against Washington, and just like they had. Um, who was the other team? They uh, it was uh, Rutgers, uh, and that's uh, the offensive line play. So Nebraska yeah. doesn't have a great offensive line. Um, so I think this whole game uh, really is going to come down to what uh, Adrian Martinez does. I feel like if they can get to Adrian Martinez uh, early and often, I think that bodes very well for them. Uh, if they do not. Um, I think this is going to be a, a dogfight. Adrian Martinez has got nine rushing touchdowns on the year. He's virtually their whole rushing offense. Um, and I think he ran for three touchdowns last week against Northwestern. So uh, that is going to be going to be huge in my opinion. You got to you got to eliminate him and uh, and violate that pocket as much as possible. Ojabo needs to be in there Aiden Hutchinson needs to be in his grill every time. Yeah, I thought that. Uh the way they defended the run against Rutgers, and I forget the name of their quarterback. Though they Bernal. did not get, yeah, the way they did not give up large chunk plays to this kid, but they gave up two and three yarders all the time. And it was enough for Rutgers to really, really control the clock and, and control the run game. And Martinez is like a million times better than that dude. So could be a problem. He could definitely be a problem, and, and what you just said is huge. Uh, Ajabo and, and Hutchinson have to be have to be great. You know, whoever's playing in the box um, need, needs to be needs to be ready to go too. Josh Ross being back against Wisconsin was huge. Obviously, the second half we missed him against Rutgers, but um, we needed his best too. You know, as a spy and and and, and ready there, but. Um, I think Michigan's going to be able to control the clock. I think they're going to get some pressure, and I think they're going to run the ball. And I think uh, they're going to go back to that. I think it's going to piss a lot of fans off, but it is what it is. I think they're going to dominate the run game, get back to that 200-yard rushing day, and and uh, pick up a win, however it's got to happen, to, you know, 24-20 or 24-17. I, I think Michigan probably gets that 24 mark, and it's enough to win. Yep, absolutely. I, I'm going to call this game like I kind of did Wisconsin. I feel like on Michigan's best. You know, Michigan obviously blew out Wisconsin, but I said, you know, I, on their best game, I think they can win by three. On their worst game, I think they can lose by ten. And I feel like it's kind of be this going to be kind of a similar game. Um, the only thing is, is with Nebraska, Adrian Peterson or Adrian Peterson, Adrian Martinez is light years better than Graham Mertz or the backup that they had over there in, in Camp Randall. So, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a pretty good, pretty good ball game. I think going to be fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm excited. Uh, take this team to the next level, get to six and zero, and and get into that bye week and, and get back to a home game here, weeks weeks seven or eight or whatever's coming up. But uh, Nebraska first, and it's a, it's a big game. I mean, it's going to be on ABC at night, so a lot of world's going to be watching. Do you think Michigan wins the game? 
I think they do. And the, again, none, none of us, we never thought we'd be, we could be six and zero. So if we get to six and zero, I think that's a huge, uh, a huge feat on itself. I mean, obviously it's only half the season and you can't settle for that, but, uh, yeah. for where we were in the beginning of the year and our expectations, I mean, we've, I think we've exceeded them so far. We've 100% exceeded them. And, and truthfully, I'm, I'm sitting here right now and I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, there's no way this team goes undefeated. So where do they lose? You know what I mean? And there's no way they only have one loss. So how many more times do they lose? Like in my head, that's already what I'm thinking. Right. Um, which sucks because I think this team has shown sparks of being better than that. So time will tell. Um, you know, I've moved on past Wisconsin. I'm on Nebraska now and I, I can't wait to see the game and hopefully it goes in our, in our favor. Um, couple more big games this weekend for, for you, those of you tuning in. We'll, we'll wrap it up here. But uh, Oak, Arkansas, number 13, Arkansas at Mrs., or Ole Miss, number 17. Both these teams coming off embarrassing losses, both Alabama and Georgia. Both wanting to get a, a step up on each other. That'll be a good one. Then you got OU in Texas, the Red River rivalry. Um, I know that was a game that College Game Day had been looking at attending, but I know there's a, a better one coming up here that I think they're going to end up attending. Uh, Georgia at Auburn, 2 versus 18. Georgia looks unstoppable right now. And then the unquestionable game of the weekend in the Big Ten in all of the country. Penn State, number four in the country, heading to Iowa, number five team in the country, both teams undefeated. I think that'll be a banger. You got an early prediction for Penn State, Iowa? I do not, man. I... That is going to tell us a lot about these teams. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of early in the season. I was obviously earned their number three ranking, but, um, you know, is this going to be the Kirk Ferentz team that uh, exceeds expectations or are they going to fall off a cliff? Well, you know, time will tell. I think obviously you know, Iowa is, you know, a home field advantage is huge for them. If they, I think they, if they're in Happy Valley, I think this is – more uh, even probably I don't want to make any predictions. I was going to make a prediction. I'm not going to make a prediction. I'll just leave it at that. It's just going to be a battle, you know? Yeah. Um, truthfully, I, I think, I think Penn State has a really good chance of winning the game. I really do. I think they're probably the better team, but as you alluded to, I think home field advantage might be enough to give Iowa the win. So excited to see that one. Uh, lots of big games this weekend. We'll wrap up. Uh, We'll wrap this pod up. We went uh, just shy of an hour like we always do. We talked a ton of shit. Um, anything else you want to say? Uh, I think we're good. I think I, we got a lot off our chest, and uh, we got a huge weekend uh, in football in general, pro and college. Yeah. You know, not everybody can be 5-0. and It's a prestigious <laughs> honor. And uh, as of right now, we're 5-0. and I'm living the life. I think there's a really good chance we're going to move to 6-0. and So with that, we will log. Man, is that the new salute, salute to service hat you got there? That is. Holy oh, yeah. cow. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Well, with that, folks, we will log off with Just Win Baby. Go blue. <laughs> we, we will see you guys. We'll see you next time. Real talk.